0: Hello, my praying people. You are listening to the Prayer Clinic Podcast, and I'm Leanne McCoy, your host. On this podcast, we're going to unpack the mystery of prayer. Along the way, your faith will be strengthened and your relationship with Christ will be taken to new levels. Prayer is the most powerful tool we have as believers, but far too few of us know where to even begin in exercising and using this powerful tool. Let's take this journey together and experience what happens when we pray. I've written 17 books on prayer, and two of those are on the subject of spiritual warfare. Now, you have to understand that I don't think anybody in their right mind sets out to write books on spiritual warfare. In fact, I grew up in a, a denomination where we just didn't talk about that kind of thing. If you, if you were um, inquisitive enough to ask a question in your... You know, say your ninth grade Sunday school class, <laughs> and if that question had anything to do with the holy Ghost or spiritual warfare, you would very quickly be um you know kind of uh, looked at by the the beautiful volunteer person who was leading that class. And they would just kind of whisper and kind of nod their head and say, you know, we we just don't talk about those kind of things in here. So I sort of built my own um, imagination of what spiritual warfare was all about. And my own theology was kind of like, um, if you don't mess with it, it won't mess with you. And as far as the Holy Ghost went, who wants to be, you know bothered by some kind of a ghost even if he was friendly like casper the friendly ghost i still was a little bit suspicious of him however when i started learning that a real part of my relationship with god was this invitation to know him personally i began to press in during my quiet time. You know, I was taught to have the quiet time, the 20 minutes a day, reading your Bible and saying your prayers. And I would read my Bible and I began to be taught and to learn how to let the scripture speak to me. And the way that I was taught that was that um, I was told that if I read a chapter in the Bible, there would probably be a verse or two that would seem really special at that moment in my life. And I would write that verse or two down, and I would just pray and say, God, help me understand what you mean in my life today regarding this verse. And that was the way that I started learning how the Bible spoke to me. But as I grew in my prayer life, and I began to understand that God, this relationship with God is something that is um always available that he's always there to talk with that he wants to know more than just what you're wishing for he's not like santa claus he instead he's like this lover of your soul and so um you can be mad with him you can be confused with him you can be not alone um because he's always there and as i grew to kind of understand god in this way I really began to read the scriptures, and the parts that would jump out at me were the parts that explained to me that apart from Him, I could do nothing, and that told me that um, anything is possible with Him. There was nothing impossible for God, and the parts that challenged me to ask, and if I would ask and seek and knock, then I would be answered. The door would be opened, and I would have, and so... In doing that, I would start asking. I'd start seeking. I'd start knocking. And um, probably about that same time in my life, I was uh, married to Tom, my husband. And we were beginning to pastor the little Thompson Station Baptist Chapel in the tiny little town at that time of Thompson Station, Tennessee. Now, don't worry if you've not heard of Thompson Station, Tennessee, even to this day, because it's not... Um, It's not a big metropolis now, but it is not certainly not the tiny town it was 32 years ago when we got here. But as a young pastor's wife, wrestling with this truth that it would be God, not us, that would do something so amazing as build and grow a church, and trying my best to make connection with God, and then being in a role where I wanted our people to learn how to make a connection with God, I found myself becoming a teacher of prayer and how to pray and how to connect with the heart and the mind of Christ through prayer. And as I began to pray, something very interesting started happening in my life. And that was that I bumped into um, resistance that came in the form of... um, Goodness, I want, to, I want to use spiritual terms, and I, I guess I can because you're probably a spiritual person listening to a podcast like this, <laughs> but the, the, the um, resistance that came against me would come in what I would spiritually call the heavenly places. It would come in just an internal battle, um, like Tom and I would get cross with each other on Sunday morning. And right before he's trying to get to the church and preach, and I'm trying to get to the church and be the sweet, smiling pastor's wife. And I began to recognize that, goodness, we were just getting crossed with each other more on Sunday mornings than any other morning. And I thought, what is this? And why Sunday morning? And that's when I remembered those unanswered questions that I asked as a child or wanted to ask as a child about spiritual warfare. And I thought, could, could that be warfare? Could that be what spiritual warfare is? Then I also began to understand that um, when uh, things were going good or something big was going to happen that would remove barriers from our church to grow, like we're going to have a vote on Wednesday night with the church members about whether or not we should build this summer. And um, back in the day, we voted on everything Of course, we didn't do that until after we had eaten macaroni and cheese and peanut butter pie that (laughs) were the highlight of my week, uh, my month. We only did this once a month, had our business meeting that was preceded by a a, a at-a-dish or a covered-dish dinner, and that was where we got to eat Lurlane's peanut butter pie and Sharon's macaroni and cheese, two of my favorite dishes that I still can almost taste in my mind as I talk about it. But at those business meetings were where um, I would be so baffled at why we weren't all just on the same page together and why there would ever be any resistance at all to my adorable pastor husband who was just trying to lead the flock into a great future. And at that time, also, I felt the same kind of resistance, and it was in a place that was internal, not external. Well, some of that was external in the actual um, interactions between the people that that um, carried some resistance along with them. But my attitude was something I was fighting inside. So that was another example of my goodness, there's this, there's something against us. Every step of the way, I began to identify that there was certainly a spiritual force of darkness that was rearing its ugly head to try to get us off track. Over the years, I've discovered that this force has a name, just like God has a name and God is a person. This spiritual force of darkness. Is can be thought of in a personified kind of way. And um, Satan and all of his de- demons are diametrically opposed to anything God is for. And what I've come to learn is that spiritual warfare is not only very real, but it is the ongoing resistance that Satan launches against God by exerting his continued arrogant desire to be God. And the warfare that Satan brings against us is very real, it is very present, and it fleshes itself out in the world today. Spiritual warfare for the child of God is a relentless attack on your faith. You see, the devil wants you to discredit and profane the name of God by living life on earth in your own strength, completely separated from God and His power. And in order to separate you from God, Satan will create confusion and doubt. He'll, he'll sow seeds of despair in your spirit. And um, he will try to separate you by causing you to doubt God's um, favor or doubt God's existence or doubt that God is really looking out for your good and not your harm. And Satan just comes after our faith all the time. Now... It's one thing to understand that Satan does this, and it's quite another to not be overwhelmed by that, not try to ignore that, not try to just shove that under the rug like was done when I was growing up. And so, in two books that I've written, Spiritual Warfare for Women was the first one I wrote in 2010. And in that book, I set out to let women know that Satan is very real and that the warfare he brings against us is very real and how we can see what his unique way of attacking women is. And that book, I gave us some um, strategies for how to combat the battle and how to win those battles. And a few years later, several years later, I decided, um, well, my daughter coined a phrase years ago about what takes courage in your life. (laughs) And she said, One day I got my guts up and so as a great, I don't know if that's a great phrase or not, but I love, I love the meaning of it. And so a few years after I wrote Spiritual Warfare for Women, I wrote a second book when I got my guts up and it was called Spiritual Warfare for Your Family. And in that book, I began to teach parents how the enemy will come after your children and how he'll wreak havoc in the home because he wants homes to be divided. He wants families to come apart. He wants um, to, to wreck the relationships that parents have with their children, that siblings have with one another, and in so doing, he can completely mess with people's relationships with God, and more than that, he can mess with what God uses as a beautiful illustration of how he relates to us. If he can mess with our homes, he can mess with the whole image and illustration of God in our world today. And so I wrote that book a, a couple of years later. My two books on spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare for your for women, spiritual warfare for your family. Both of those books can still be purchased most anywhere that books are sold. And um, I'd love for you to get a copy and really dive into this yourself. And don't be afraid because we've got to know who the enemy is and what he's about so that we can be savvy in how we combat um, the battles that he brings against us. So, Um, One of the things that I said in spiritual warfare for your family, which is what I want to talk about today, and I'll probably talk about spiritual warfare every once in a while on this podcast just to keep us on top of um, the fact that it's real and the fact that we get to win. We don't have to be overcome by it, but we, we fight. What I taught in spiritual warfare for your family is that we fight Satan's attacks with what are called divine weapons. And these divine weapons are, are bigger than supernatural because one of the things I make very clear in spiritual warfare for your family is that um, even demons can have supernatural power. But only God has divine power and his power is much greater than um, the supernatural power that other spiritual forces can um, exert. So God has given us supernatural, divine weapons that have the power to destroy strongholds. Listen to what I wrote in Spiritual Warfare for Your Family in the chapter 16 called Divine Power to Destroy Strongholds. Well, I didn't write this. The Bible wrote this. <laughs> the writer of Corinthians wrote this, probably Paul. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and 5. For, we, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary... They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish strongholds in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. One of the main weapons that we have been given that has this divine power to destroy strongholds and to um, take captive every Demolish the argument and every pretension to take captive every thought is a divine weapon of praise. I don't know if you've ever thought about your praise, and I'm going to tack onto their thanksgiving. I don't know if you've ever thought about the practice of praise and thanksgiving as being a weapon of spiritual warfare, but if you have not, I want you to think about that right now we're going to focus on the fact that praise is a divine weapon God has given us to destroy pretensions and strongholds. So, first I want to talk to you about what pretensions are. Pretensions are the things of this world that pretend to give us what only God can give. They they pretend to meet our felt needs and to satisfy our surface desires and thus cloak the deeper hunger we have For genuine connection with God. So pretensions are those things that pretend. Strongholds are the result of embracing pretensions over time. I want to read to you a little bit about um, how I sort of unpack this in this um, chapter in my book. The pretensions are Satan's imitations and counterfeits that pretend to deliver what only God provides. They include the desires of the flesh and the passions that drive the human heart separated from Christ. These pretensions pretend to deliver pleasure, peace, satisfaction, and fulfillment. And for a brief season, they seem to do just that, but they always lead to death. Strongholds are the deeply entrenched arguments and pretensions that have grown more powerful through the ages. They have gained their power through their effectiveness in defying the advancement of the kingdom of God. Strongholds include pride, selfishness, offense, control, and fear. They all find their origin in unbelief. We could go into great detail and name every argument, pretension, and stronghold we could imagine. But the truth of these verses is that no matter what the arguments are, we've been given the weapons to silence them. No matter how pretentious the pretensions might be, we've been given the power to destroy them. And no matter how strong the strongholds might seem, we have the weapons made to demolish, to demolish them in my book, I talk about three divine weapons that destroy the strongholds, demolish the arguments and the pretensions, and make our thoughts bow down to the lordship of Christ. They are the divine weapon of acceptance, the divine weapon of praise and thanksgiving, and the divine weapon of intercession. We'll talk about acceptance and intercession easy for me to say, huh. <laughs> We'll talk about um, those weapons of acceptance and intercession at a later time. But today, we're going to talk about praise and thanksgiving. My friends, when we praise God from whom all blessings flow, we declare solid, eternal truth. When we praise God despite what we're going through, praise lifts us up out of the circumstances And sets our feet on the solid rock of our salvation. Listen to these words of truth that instruct us to take up the divine weapon of praise and thanksgiving. Hold on just a second. Here's a few. I'm just reading a couple of scriptures out of the Bible. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. First Thessalonians 5.18 All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Second Corinthians 4.15-16 and 16. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. First Chronicles sixteen thirty four. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise Him. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. The very first word, verse I read, it, from first thessalonians five eighteen said, "Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, certainly, Paul understood that there would be certain circumstances that we would be exempt from thanksgiving, but no, in everything, in all things, every time, all the time, all the while, when I was first diagnosed with um cancer, my friend Kathleen brought me guacamole and toilet paper because that's what you bring when somebody is in a crisis. She did the same thing a couple of years before when I was in a crisis. But um, she also brought me a little book written by, let me see who the author was. It was uh, The book was titled 31 Days of Praise. Yeah, written by Ruth Myers. And when she gave me that little book, I thought of all times to have to focus my heart and my mind on praising God. Kathleen, I mean, after all, I just got diagnosed with cancer. This is not a season of praise in my life. Now, if you had given me 31 days of lament, I might could have um, understood, but you gave me 31 days of praise. But then I read in the very front of that book, and I can't find my little book right now, but I quoted it in my spiritual warfare book. 31 Days of Praise, and it is still for sale, by the way, my friends. So get online and get you one. I'm going to get online and get me another one since I've probably given away the one I had. Here's what I wrote. 31 Days of Praise, this was in the foreword of that book, is down to earth. It touches you where you live and walks where you plod. It is not a book that tells you to praise because you're supposed to, and you will be blessed if you do. Rather, it inspires and motivates you to praise from the heart. This book deals with the realities of living in a fallen world, with its disappointing relationships, unfulfilled longings, and shattered dreams. It meets you where you are, in the midst of your pain Hang on. and turmoil, and enables you to see these things from a perspective that is true. As a result, even in the face of heartache, there's praise and the joy of a deeper intimacy with God. Praise itself becomes a blessing because it is real and not just a rehearsal of words. I knew when I read that, that this book was absolutely what I needed to read during my early days of dealing with that cancer diagnosis. This secret weapon of praise and thanksgiving has the divine power to destroy the strongholds of despair, discouragement, depression, and doubt. I'm telling you, my friend, it truly has that kind of power praise praise in spite of praise um, even in the midst of we praise God in all things and as we shout out what is true about God regardless of our circumstances we recognize that our mouths cannot be filled with praise and Filled with doubt and despair at the same time. We cannot be speaking the truth about God and the observations about the things that are happening to us at the same time. And let me remind you that the truth about God does not wax and wane like the moon. (laughs) The truth about God does not change simply because of the circumstances. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. God is good when the sun's shining. God is good when the sun's not shining. God is good when the diagnosis is all clear. God is good when the diagnosis is you have cancer. God is good all the time. And when we replace our pretensions and our strongholds with the truth of who God is, then we focus our our hope On the expectation of what a God like him will do in us and in our life. Let's praise God in our prayers. Are you in a financial crisis? Lord God, you are God. You are God, my provider. I believe that you are with me and that you will come through for me. Are you sick? Lord, you are our healer. You have made a way so that even death cannot separate us from your love. Lord God, I believe you will heal this disease and use this journey for my good and your glory. Are you alone? Oh, God, you are the God who is with me. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You are with me now. Even if I can't see you, feel you, sense you, understand that you are there, I choose not to go with what I feel, sense, or understand. I recognize that there is nowhere I can go that you are not there. You get the idea. You understand how we praise God in the midst of our circumstances. My friends, let me remind us that praise and thanksgiving express our acceptance of the things we don't understand and are powerless to change. Hebrews thirteen verse eight says, "Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow psalm thirty three eleven tells us his purposes are perfect, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever the purposes of His heart through all generations forty two two reminds us that his plans, this is one of my favorites, will not be thwarted. I love that word. His plans will not be thwarted. The plans of God will not be thwarted. No matter what it looks like, no matter how you feel about it, no matter what kind of uh, um, hard-to-explain, uh, oppressive sense or feeling is waving over you, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart throughout all generations and his plans will not be thwarted. If Jesus is the same, his purposes will prevail and his plans will not be thwarted. See, it's a fun word, isn't it? And it's an even more powerful statement of praiseworthy truth. Look to see what the word God's given you in his word Find those verses. Find those verses that are your promise for your situation. And when you find them, praise the God who is the keeper of his word. If God's given you his word, you can be certain that he will keep it. Just today, I was feeling quite overcome with some things that are going on in my own life and um, some prayers that have not been answered the way that I thought they would be and some situations that I'm in that I never in a million years would have chosen to be in. On top of that, the weather is icy and cold, and we're in this kind of, I think this storm even has a name, Mr. Yuri has swept his fury across the southeast, and even though I live in nice and mild um, Nashville, Tennessee, I'm looking at several inches of not gorgeous snow, but just weird sleet <laughs> that's keeping my grandchildren home for school probably all of this week. And I'm not saying that's not praiseworthy. It is kind of fun to have them out of school. Um, but anyway, this morning was hard. And uh, often when things are hard, I I, in the past, have asked God to give me some kind of glimpse of his goodness sometime during the day. And today I didn't even ask that. I had forgotten to do that. And I just was dealing with the hard and being okay that it was hard. And I got on my phone and um Facebook there's Messenger and the Messenger I somewhat keep up with. It's not truly the best way to connect with me because I don't always look at it very quickly. However, many people who read my books do find that as a way to get connected to me and I discover every once in a while that someone I don't know has messaged me and those messages go somewhere other than my normal place and I kind of accidentally stumble over them. So this message I received today had come from South Africa on January the 30th. And I only just now today saw it. And so I read the message and it was from a beautiful reader who is believing God for something going on in her life. And she was expressing to me how much one of my books had meant to her, one of the spiritual warfare books, I believe spiritual warfare for women. And she was reaching out just to find out kind of the rest of the story of a story I started in that book and continued in my spiritual warfare for your family book and wanted to know how it all ended. I was able to respond to her message today and just tell her how many wonderful, glorious, amazing, miraculous things God had done and is doing and will, I'm certain, continue to do. And I was hoping that my my being able to tell her the rest of my story and just assure her that God is faithful to His Word to keep it would encourage her. I was hoping that it would. But I have to confess that anytime I hear from my readers, It encourages me like crazy because one of the ways the enemy attacks me is by getting me to think that what I'm doing doesn't matter and that I should just stop. His attack is to get me to quit writing, to quit teaching, to sit down and be quiet instead of standing up and being counted. And um, it's a furious battle, truly, (laughs) and no fun to fight. But today, when I was feeling raunchy, That message came through, and as I responded to her with the truth of how miraculously God has come through for us, I sat back and I smiled and I thought, God, you know, you know how to encourage my heart and get my my rearing gear and get my mind focused on you because you are a God who will provide what we need when we need it. And today he provided that to me through that beautiful reader from South Africa. And here's the even cooler thing. (laughs) And when I messaged her back, she messaged me right back. And here we are talking right here on a snow day here, which I guess it's in the middle of the night there. I don't even know. And she said that just today, she also was having a terrible, terrible time. And that she had asked God to give her some kind of a reminder that he is on it, that he's in it, that, that she can continue another day, that she can have hope. And she had asked God to do that. She was in the battle and she was remembering to ask him. And my replying to that message today rather than January 30 when I should have replied to it encouraged her as well. Now, my friends, I'm telling you, that's the praiseworthy God that we serve. The one that hears the heart of a mother in South Africa, and hears the heart of a mother in Nashville, Tennessee, and at just the right time, on just the right day, he connects our hearts with one another to remind both of us that we can praise Him in spite of whatever it is that's going on. We can thank Him for the way He's going to keep His Word in our lives, and we can win these battles that we are invited to fight. Let's use this divine weapon of praise and thanksgiving as we take down the giants who dare to defy the name of the Lord God Almighty. I hope you're encouraged. Be encouraged, my friend, and keep on keeping on because we serve a God whose plans and purposes will prevail and who will not be thwarted. We'll talk some more soon. We'll unpack those divine weapons of acceptance and intercession. But for now, let's just keep unpacking this divine weapon of praise and thanksgiving. Father, I thank you so much for all of those who are being hearers of the word right now. God, may we be doers as we go about this day looking for all kinds of reasons to praise you, recognizing all kinds of opportunities we have to thank you. God, I claim in Jesus' name victories on the battlefields where we are this day and let us be like the little shepherd boy David who took Goliath down. Let our victory rally the troops of those around us as we declare that we serve the Lord God Almighty who is holy and just and righteous and good and faithful and true and loving and pure and worthy of our praise. It's in Jesus' precious, exalted, and holy name that we lift up this prayer. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Prayer Clinic Podcast. For more information on my speaking and writing ministry, go to leannemccoy.com. To learn more about the Prayer Clinic ministry, go to prayer.clinic.com. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to give us a rating and subscribe. We'll see you next time, my praying people.